Welcome to DMs of Vancouver, the show where we talk to our awesome friends and amazing guests about how to help you become a better GM for your tabletop games or review games that we've played recently from a GM and player perspective. I'm Jesse Boros, and my pronouns are he, him. I'm Sean Hagen. My pronouns are also he, him. We're your co-hosts for this podcast, and we've got another great episode for you. This episode is recorded and produced on the unceded territory of the Coast Salish people, including the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. In recognition of that, we ask that you please support Raven, a charity that helps support Indigenous people throughout Canada. You can find them at raventrust.com. Have you ever wondered what it's like to DM for your partner or to play in a game run by them? Wonder no more as we talk to two wonderful ladies who do just that. Today we're talking to Rachel and Trish, pronouns for both, she, her, about running games for each other and the things they learn from each other. Uh, Rachel and Trish run Roarcat Reads, which is a local Vancouver blog focusing on all things queer and nerdy. And they also have an upcoming live stream in October for the Rainbow Refugee Charity. So keep an eye out for that. We hope you enjoy the show. Roll for initiative. Hello and welcome to the show. Hey, Rachel and Trish. How's it going today? Hi, thanks for having us on. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Yes, thank you for coming on. (laughs) Um, Right, so talking about uh, creating things together, learning from each other, um, I think this is a little bit of a unique situation compared to other conversations we've had. So uh, why why doesn't one of you lay out uh, what we mean by learning from each other and creating together? Sure. Um, so we're actually both pretty new to the D&D world. Um, we met uh, in 2018 because uh, I put out a invitation on a meetup, meetup group uh, asking if any nerdy ladies wanted to play D&D. And Rachel was one of the ones who said yes. Uh, she had how much experience playing D&D at that point? Uh, zero. <laughs> I thought you did at least one. No, no, I think you posted and I responded with, oh, I just bought the D&D starter set. Mm-hmm. And you were like, well, that's perfect. So <laughs> that's how that, that got going. Yes. And so Rachel became the de facto DM. Um, and we played together for quite a while, um, ended up dating and... I ended up feeling bad for her that she was having to DM all the time. So I would take on some one shots um, with varying success. Uh, And then that started this kind of cool process of uh, working together to make things sometimes, um, but then also like getting to see each other DM and learn and grow from each other. Mm -hmm. Yes, we both started from that same period of knowing nothing and then learning the game together And I thought I was going to be stuck as the forever DM, Mm -hmm. which I was for a good chunk of time. And I didn't mind it. Uh, I I ran games for our ladies group and then one other group, I think, simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, yeah, when you started doing some of the one shots, uh, it was definitely a bit of a weight off. And it was really nice to play. I think I went a bit crazy with my first character. (laughs) The first time just being like, I'm going to do everything. (laughs) I'm set free from the, the DM yeah, which wasn't terrifying to have to DM for that character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So something that I'm curious about, and I think all three of you can answer this, is uh, the experience of DMing for partner uh, mm-hmm. is something that I'm curious about because I haven't experienced that. And it's something that I know that there are online lots of, I wouldn't call them horror stories, but like cautionary tales of you know, people DMing for their significant other and how that can uh, occasionally cause some friction in a group when, you know, Mm -hmm. they're giving them a magic weapon because it's their girlfriend or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, How how has the experience, how's the experience been in, uh, for for all three of you, I guess, um, but for our guests first? Rachel? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that's a loaded question. You're going to get me in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think... uh, well, I think we played together a, for a year as friends, where I was probably a bit nicer to you <laughs> yeah. when we were friends than uh, when we started dating. Although I do remember we used to get into quite a lot of, it wasn't necessarily heated arguments, but there was a, like... Passionate arguments. <laughs> yeah, you would definitely want uh, a situation to be resolved one way. And mm-hmm. as the DM, I would be 
not opposing it exactly, but just asking you to explain like, how, okay, well, how do you, how do you see this, see this working out? Um, it's my imagination. It just happens. <laughs> I'm really fun to play D&D &D with. <laughs> you were, and that's one of the things that I uh, have come to really appreciate about the way that you look at, at the world, because I am very, very, especially when I started, very mechanics-based or rules-based. Like, I love that that kind of that kind of thing. I'm always, like, taking a situation, how could I uh, make a set of rules to, to govern this or to bring it into D&D? &D? And you gave me that other perspective of like you're not thinking about the characters or like the the, the storyline and it's true I did get absorbed in the more technical aspects and you really made me think about the um like the other more social aspects of the game yeah what if I just talk to this NPC for an hour <laughs> oh yeah there's there's no beast you couldn't make your pet yeah or there was that one time with the dragon turtle I had the first <laughs> dragon that you'd ever fought mm -hmm. and you you spent an entire session trying to talk it out of fighting. Yeah, we fed it cake. We told it about the importance of friendship. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yep, that was the thing. Yes. Uh, but with that, um, making D&D &D adventures for partners, you made an entire adventure uh, for a Christmas gift for me, um, a whole pirate adventure. Yeah, I did. That ended with the aforementioned dragon yeah. turtle. But yeah, no, pirates was a, that was a nice little... Um, sort of side thing to to get into because I know you're really into the show Black Sails mm -hmm. uh you made me watch it before so yes <laughs> I and really enjoyed it it was it was good so it was uh, a nice intersection between something that you were really passionate about and an interest that we both shared so yeah it was really nice to to make that for you and I think it is our group's one of the favorite things we've done yeah I think yeah. so yeah, uh, I know on my end, um, to get more into the maybe the more cringy stories, uh, I am running the Curse of Strahd campaign uh, with Rachel and then two others. And I had heard online, um, it's, you know, vampire sort of story. One of the NPCs um, plays better if a player takes on that role. And so I figured Rachel would be good at that because... I don't know, I, maybe it was a bit of favoritism. Uh, but then, of course, this is like the love interest of the big bad. Uh, and then she runs into some other NPC that they just kind of awkwardly flirt. And then I was like, oh, no, literally all of the NPCs that I'm playing are falling in love with Rachel's character. <laughs> so that was embarrassing. Um, so far, the other players in that campaign don't seem to have minded too much. Yeah, yeah. We literally got to the point that um, she wanted to break up with uh, Soldar, the non-vampire boyfriend, because being in love with him would put them in danger. Um, but he was like, I live for danger. It's fine. And we were doing this whole like dramatic uh, telenovela sort of scene. And we we're like, we can like do this like later after you guys have left. And both of the, the guys were like, no, keep going. <laughs> so... Yeah, they only wanted to stop to make popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess on my end, I haven't had much problems running for Haley. It's actually, for me, it's easier because I, I live with her and can talk to her about, you know, if she's having a problem in a campaign or something like that. I, it's, you know, it's a lot easier to gauge how much she's enjoying a game than mm -hmm. my, you know, my friends who come over and will sometimes say stuff but will often just be like yeah nice session thanks see you next week mm -hmm. go on um that said I've, I've definitely been at the table while there have been like problem significant others uh happening but it's usually not it's also usually not between a dm and a player it's between you know a player who's brought their boyfriend or girlfriend and then they're either disinterested in a way that is you know not fun to deal with mm -hmm. or um they're just very self-absorbed and yeah we we had this guy once who like he did the classic thing where he was like oh first session you know dating our friend you know we were kind of friends with him bring him to the game and he was like yeah i'm gonna make a character and try and go do the whole opening adventure on my own oh no oh. I won't. <laughs> it, it got so bad and it pissed off some of our other players so much that one of them one of their characters actually murdered his at one point wow um, yeah he uh he like didn't protect that character a bunch of times when he had mm -hmm. the opportunity. Like he played dead and let someone else attack her. And <laughs> at one point, 
uh, the character walked up to him while he was like, you know, kind of recovering and just stabbed him in the throat. <laughs> um, so that was, yeah. I mean, it was entertaining for me. I was also very yeah. annoyed with the guy, but like, it's also one of those things that it's like, you know, it's why you got to talk to your players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. for sure. Like, that player versus player uh, interaction is always so difficult to manage from the from the DM seat of like, oh, uh, is this going to be okay? What's going to actually happen here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, as the DM, you don't want to okay something that's going to cause two people to not be friends anymore. Right. Um, but I, I guess part of the reason that I asked is that uh, my my girlfriend hasn't played yet. She'll probably play at some point. I think she's a little bit interested. But um, there's been plenty of times when I was DMing that I'd be talking about something and mention like, oh, I'm having trouble figuring out how to do a thing. And it's something that like I'm trying to keep secret from the players because it's meant to be like, a secret they need to figure out or uh, something that's going to surprise them in the next session. And like, it's nice to have somebody that I can use as a sounding board to like Mm -hmm. bounce ideas off of. And I'm just curious how that works when like the person that you would normally go to talk to about stuff like this is the person that you can't talk to about that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I've definitely ended a lot of uh, Strahd sessions with, Oh, I want to tell you what's coming up so badly. (laughs) Um, and I think I have I have spoiled a couple things just to kind of get your feedback of I try to keep it as vague as possible, but more like, do you think the group would enjoy if this thing were a little more detailed or, you know, like trying to get some feedback because I do really respect her. She's my first DM. Um, so hopefully I haven't ruined too many moments by spoiling them, but it, it's definitely a tricky line. No, I don't think you you have. I certainly haven't felt that way with the with the campaign. Um, thinking along that along that line, um, yeah. So for sorry, I just got totally lost on the question. <laughs> no worries. Do you want, uh, so yeah, it's just um, have there been things that you've been uh, trying to plan or think forward to, like what might happen in the next session that normally you'd like bounce ideas off of your partner, and then now you can't because that would be spoiling the next session Mm -hmm. and like how do you how do you deal with not having your normal sounding board yeah i think we've both gotten really good at this weird dm stone face (laughs) (laughs) uh so yeah when we're talking about things it's just very intense eye contact but just the face has to remain uh completely uh dispassionate Mm -hmm. um but that aside it's um Yes, it's it's not been too difficult to manage. Like, yeah, definitely I want to say all of the things that are coming up and be so excited to to tell Trisha about the, the things that are going to happen or ideas that I have um, for it. But I think I get around it by just maybe more focusing on the things that she's enjoying in the campaign. Like, there is no better person that I trust to give me the, the truth about what's what's uh, like what's happening and what feels good in the campaign and if as long as I can word my questions like fairly ambiguously I think it doesn't give too much away yeah um so what's something like what's kind of what do you think is maybe the main thing you've learned from each other by having the other person dm for you so much (laughs) (laughs) um I mean I think Rachel really set the precedent from the very beginning, even though she's said she's more mechanically minded, she's also very um, fun focused. Uh, And so in our very first session that we ever played together as a group, um, yeah, all I had for reference was like old point and click, like computer games, like King's Quest, like pick up an item, put it in different situations and see what happens. Uh, So we killed a snake and I looked for uh, snake eggs, grabbed them and put them all over the temple we were going, uh, shoved one in a potion. And at the end of the session, she was like, oh, that potion starts rattling and it bursts open and you have a multicolored snake now that turned into a mood snake that changed colors based on mood. Um, and so it just really, well, one, it's that's when I started to Uh, be attracted to her and want to date her because I was like well that was great (laughs) but it just also set that precedent of go with your players see what they're interested in don't be scared to 
say yes to something that you haven't fully thought through because um, you can think through it in between sessions. Um, so I, tr I try to keep that in, in mind with, with my campaigns too of I can be kind of a controlling person who gets very scared at like, I didn't anticipate this. What am I, what am I going to do? Um, so having that in mind of better to say yes now and figure it out because the character's into it, they're having fun, than to just shut it down and then everybody's disappointed. Yeah, I mean, I think that also comes from you prefer to run um, <clears throat> like pre-existing modules, mm -hmm. whereas I do more more homebrew. So you have that added worry of like, okay, well, if I go too far off the plot, am I going to affect something else down the road? Whereas I'm just like, it'll be fine. Just, <laughs> I'll fix it. Um, but yeah, I think that is one of the things that, that I've learned from you is like, I always... I. I can never read to the end of those those big modules, <laughs> but you've definitely inspired me to to try again. Because with the Strahd campaign, I see the the amount of material that's already existing there means you get to spend more time, like making the encounters better, particularly the social encounters. Like it feels like such a, a like such a deep world. Like I could go anywhere and there would be something to go and explore or somebody to talk to. And because there is, and it's on page one hundred and three. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or I mean, you have a lot of time to look up extra material, and I mean, just generally with the social encounters, I think you have a much better handle on that than I do. So that's the biggest thing I've I've learned from you is how to handle that better. Um, and a, a recent example of that was uh, there was some sort of meeting that we had in this in this Strad campaign where. Uh, it was really tense and I noticed the things that you were doing well afterwards I analyzed it at the time I was like what is going on here but like everybody at the table was leaning in it's because you were talking quieter and quieter and, like <laughs> just building this this sense of suspense and then we talked about it afterwards and I was like that was great that was just something so simple that uh that I would never have thought to do but that that because you're more um sort of naturally gifted in that area that uh, I'm able to learn from you and then I did it to you in our next session of the campaign we played together and it still worked even though it was your own <laughs> trick <laughs> yeah it was great oh my goodness so you, you talked a little bit about um, one of you playing uh, like taking up the reins of the the love interest in the Curse of Strahd campaign mm -hmm. have you talked at all about co-DMing a campaign yes um <laughs> 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 a very loaded yes. Yeah. So we we've learned that we work better separately with bouncing ideas off of each other in the creation than in actually going deep and creating something together. Uh, we're we're both like I think fairly uh, stubborn people who, when we have an idea, we're like this is the best possible idea. How dare you say what I was thinking? This thing. <laughs> um, Early on, we tried to make a, uh, a campaign called Glowtopia, which still has some fragments of awesomeness to it, but it's very much like first campaign that someone tried to create. Um, it was this uh, dwarven amusement park that had been abandoned for centuries. And so then adventurers could stumble upon it. And the idea was they wouldn't know it was an amusement park, but things kept being weird. And like, there's a minecart roller coaster ride and all of that sort of thing. That part was great, but then we expanded to, and then if you go down a level, it's like this whole gnome world. And there's three of them in a love triangle. And one of them's gonna sparkle. Cause that would be hilarious if we put in a Twilight reference. And it just went on from there. <laughs> Uh, it did not. It didn't do well for two people who were fairly inexperienced with D and D. Just mm -hmm. throwing whatever seemed like was cool at the. It, it was like that car that Homer Simpson made. You know, <laughs> individually all those aspects were great, but together it was like, what even is this monster anymore? Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it was really fun to to make that with you and like to get super excited about like creating this thing. And even though it didn't turn into an actual a playable adventure. Uh, <laughs> it was super fun to make uh, yeah. and then we went on to make uh another adventure about owlbear cublets this lost owlbear cublet that was mm -hmm. in the woods and that was i think our most successful collaboration than, than anything after that and we did kind of co-dm that because there was a an npc that can be throughout the whole adventure and so you ran the 
DMing part and then I was him. So I knew what was happening and could kind of go through and that that did work well. But yeah, that was actually kind of bringing the two parts together because you played the the NPC and then I was I was running the the mechanics of the adventure. Mm-hmm. Um I think we did that reasonably reasonably well we have not had too many opportunities since that to to co-dm like that but i think we i'm not sure if we would find it hard to divide up the role yeah yeah we we should definitely try again we have occasionally been like oh let's like take a day off go like create something together and we inevitably ended up really mad at each other we were like it's not worth risking our relationship (laughs) so we we tend to more um have our separate lanes where we can just do our own thing, but make it for the other person. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I like, um, I'm making something for the one page dungeon contest at the moment that closes at the end of this month. And Trisha took a look at the the draft I've got for it and getting her feedback on that is, is really invaluable. So that's, that's where our best co-creation work comes mm-hmm. from. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, my first ever DMing experience was supposed to be co-DMing with my friend Ray. Uh, and that lasted a session and a half. Where he was like, oh no, yeah, you've, you've got this. I'd rather be a player anyway. And I'm like, no, oh. I need you for NPCs. Yeah. <laughs> but the, like, honestly, that's how the split would have ended up being. It would have been him playing a lot of the NPCs and maybe writing, uh, like doing some of the like writing for more intense mm. story beats. And it would have been me doing a lot of the like actual running of the machine yeah. uh, that ends up being the game. Um, but it's, yeah, Kodiaming is a tricky one. But also, uh, you guys were talking about Glotopia, and um, I, I have a, rec- a game recommendation for you too, which is called, it's, uh, called Microscope. Okay, I've not and heard of it. It's a fractal role-playing game where you, um, you make a history together with your friends. There's no GM, and so it's basically like, you'll be like, okay, yeah, uh, we'll do a sci-fi setting uh, these that you can set things that will appear or sorry can appear that seem unlikely and that won't appear that might be a staple of the genre mm. and then you basically go back and forth taking turns to either create a moment whenever in history it's fractal because you can put things before things and after others or like you can do scenes within an event um, and it just sounds like especially with the experience you had making Glotopia uh a thing you might enjoy. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really cool. Yeah, yeah that sounds great. My- microscope. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so you both talked a little bit about like some of the pain points and things that you've learned to like steer away from. Um, the flip side of that is like, what have you learned that um, having this setup where you're DMing and for each other um, that has made you uh, better players, better DMs, just stronger as a couple like made you better people like <laughs> what is what is what are the good things that have come out of this yeah. this whole setup that you have? Yeah. well definitely I appreciated when I was first starting to dm and do a one shot it was really nice to have someone in my corner um and we've been very lucky to have most of the time players who are not just like you know trying to ruin your campaign um but even even the best ones sometimes go off doing something that you didn't expect. And um, one of my biggest issues early on was uh, I would have an idea for a story more than I would have an idea for a setting or a campaign. And so, yeah, yeah. And when they don't follow the story beats you've set up, you're very lost. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So my my very first um, session that I tried to create was a Christmas setting And literally the main idea I had was, wouldn't it be cool if you could cast spells by singing Christmas carols, Uh, except that our whole group is full of people who don't like to sing. (laughs) So yeah, it was, it was a real dud and they didn't like, I, I made a couple maps. They didn't go in the buildings that I had maps for. So I was basically making up the whole thing and just being like, never again. I am never doing this again. Um, But Rachel was in in it and you could probably see the terror in my eyes. And so you would kind of like steer things back in the direction that it was obvious. I was like, please go here. Please talk to this person. Uh, So you helped in that way. And I think at the end you did like a huge rousing number to all I want for Christmas is you. I was like, thank you. Somebody (laughs) said 
yeah. so that was invaluable. Mm-hmm. I remember when you said to the other players, you can have advantage if you just sing like one line. Like, <laughs> nope, I'll just roll one dice. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Yeah. 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 So that also was a good lesson and know your players. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm just trying to think of like, have I played with anybody that would be up for singing? And I think there's one or two that would probably probably mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. But yeah, that's a that's a tricky thing because like even when you're you're already, you know, people are playing these characters and having fun at a table, but for some reason adding something just like one tiny step more of just yeah. singing or like I could see running into the same problem with just like recite some poetry or anything like that. People would be like, nah, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Well, and granted, if the, the shoe had been on the other foot, I don't know if I would have wanted to sing, but as the DM, it was a cool idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, other things that has been good about it. Yeah. I think just kind of with that, that, um, you, Rachel, are very good at creating a world and then allowing the story to kind of be created as you go. Um, and so I try to incorporate that, but also I just have veered heavily into I like pre-existing material um, and I can be a little flexible within that, but I just really like having that narrative structure um, and being able to kind of dive into the more emotional beats than to worry about well, what city are you going to come up to next? I have to create it all. Whereas Rachel's just like making maps and does that for fun. I'm like, I don't understand. <laughs> I The first time I did a campaign, I went too far with making maps and everything. Mm. So I'm like, I'm going to create a map of the world and then of like all of these major cities. And yeah. it was, I mean, on the one hand, it was great because I, I was able to just improv without having to think about it because mm. I put too much work into it but at the same time it's like I could have spent that effort much better in other places <laughs> but it's the stuff you find fun right like that's yeah. always good oh for sure yeah and it's also tough because like for Sean I know that your experience that was like the first time you were really DMing something ongoing and you were excited about it and you know wanted to create the whole thing I'm like you know you're not gonna know you're not gonna use that until whenever the campaign ends and you look at the map and go oh didn't use even half of this yeah yep because i mean like it happened with me too and i mean granted this was partially because of the pandemic kind of put a stop to my in-person games but you Mm -hmm. know i had a bunch of plot beats planned out i didn't have a plan on how to get there Mm -hmm. but i'm like i'm like i know these things are going to happen at some point yeah um and i actually a few weeks ago had a call with those players and i was like we're going to play a new game because it's been so long. Nobody can remember what was happening. And yeah. I'm like, okay, well, here are here are the plot points that I actually had planned out. These were some things for, that were going to happen. These were some reveals. Um, and like, that's the, that's the thing that works for me with planning stuff. But like, you, you know, it's, it's, there's always something you miss when you worry too much about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, that's the advantage of running modules for sure. Um, I, yeah. they don't tend to work for me. Nope. We lost Jesse. Oh, no. Um, but I was about to agree with him that I'm in kind of the same boat where I just, uh, I've got a bunch of modules. I've actually got a shelf down here of D and D stuff. And I've got a a couple of modules that I just, like I bought, I bought the, um, can't remember what, what company did it right now. And I'm not going to go and check, but they, one of the first modules for like original D and D was things like into the borderlands or something. It's this like classic, uh, campaign for first edition D and D. And they re-released it for fifth edition. Hmm. And I bought it because I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is this like classic campaign. And then I got home and I started reading it. I'm like, this is way too dense for me. (laughs) As somebody with ADHD, I cannot pay attention to this much dense information. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, maybe it's bad to admit, but I didn't read all of The Curse of Strahd (laughs) before getting started. Um, I tried to like read summaries online of the whole story and then um, just kind of like stay a chapter or two ahead of where they're at. And it gets easier as they've kind of slowed down and really dug into it. Um, But yeah, there's been a couple of times where I've had to retroactively be like, "Um, and yes, that thing that I said earlier, that person was lying. So (laughs) here's the real story. (laughs) 
Yeah, I think um, I have a similar experience with um, first running that, the, the starter set thing, like trying to piece that together. And it's not even that long. It's it's like 30 pages, if anything. Um, and I, I ended up making this like murder wall of like, okay, and this thing goes over here because <laughs> it's the only way I could, could keep all of that information like in a way that I could I could retain it in my brain. Just reading it through, I was like, I I don't know how to, to order this properly. I um, I would I would become mailroom Charlie from Always Sunny. Uh, that yeah. that would be me. Yeah, I could see that happening. Like we would start off with, yeah, I'll just put a couple of things on the wall so I can start to figure it out. And then two days later, my girlfriend will walk in and the entire room will be covered in paper <laughs> and red string. Yeah. Um, uh, but it just as a quick update, Jesse's uh, apparently lost power, but it's <gasps> back. So okay. I think he's just trying to get back online. He'll be with us again shortly hopefully okay um uh with the murder wall i will say that's a downside of playing with the person that you are dating because i could not create a murder wall for strahd uh, i even i had a, a map that comes with the campaign and i had to like put stickies over the parts that they hadn't gone to yet so that she wouldn't have <laughs> spoilers and at some point i was like You've seen 80% of the world now. I'm just taking it down because I need to see the whole map now. <laughs> and that's actually a good good follow-up is when you're doing, how do you manage prep um, when, because I don't know like if, if you both live together or what, but like mm -hmm. how do you manage the the prep and all of that for, for your campaign? Well, the good thing is you're with somebody who understands when you say, I need a couple hours to do this very nerdy thing. They're like, yeah, take the time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, it's usually just a case of like, oh, I'm doing prep for this now, so don't look. Although there was that one time where you uh, purposefully <laughs> looked at my screen. I think you were just trying to tease me, but you did yeah. find like a fairly big reveal very quickly because it was like an NPC that you hadn't seen for a while. And you're like, oh, he's coming back. Like... <laughs> I mean, you're only ruining it for yourself, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, did that I mean, to myself. I kind of liken it to um, when I'm watching a TV show, uh, I tend to get into the habit of reading about it on like Wikipedia or TV tropes, just because there's some shows that if they're not quite interesting enough, I want to read ahead just so I know what's coming. Because if I know that something interesting is coming, I'll sit with the show for longer than mm. if I didn't know. And I'm like, uh, this is probably not going to get interesting and just leave. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's yeah. Cause I was just curious because most of my prep when I was doing campaigns happened um, like when I was at work and had a little bit of downtime mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I just, you know, scribble down some notes and then I'd come home and just draw out some maps and then be good to go. Um, so I was just curious how it worked for, for the both of you. Yeah, um, before working from home, I would have like a, I would walk home from work as in about 40 minutes away. Uh, and that was where I did most of my like thinking about what was going to happen. Um, and then just, yeah, trying to get it together before the session. And I guess that's actually, that's a good follow up is uh, how has the pandemic changed mm -hmm. both of you, like how it works for both of you, uh, DMing for each other and playing in each other's campaigns? Um, well, it was really nice to still be able to play in person with at least, uh, with at least Trisha. So that was yeah. kind of nice. Yeah. Um, and then I guess managing the technical parts has been kind of tricky. Uh, like right now we're set up, I'm in one room with a headset and then Trish is in another room with headphones and, and laptop computer audio, um, things. So juggling that can be quite tricky, um, which... I think we've managed it. You'd probably have to ask our players how terrible our audio <laughs> is, but I can hear you just fine. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, in general, we we went digital. We were pretty. We actually, I feel like there's two reactions to the pandemic with D and D players. Of some people, just like drastically reduce the amount that they're playing because they really crave that in person time, and then other people drastically increase the number of uh, D and D sessions they have and. I think about a month ago, I, I told Rachel, like, we are playing five sessions a week. We really, like, I need to do other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so it just kind of built and built. And we ended up, yeah, we've, they're all great. Uh, so I actually don't really know what we're going to do. But um, we're in a lot of different 
campaigns and one shots and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And we're not playing in all of those campaigns with each with each other. I've got a couple that are uh, just me and some other friends. So um it's not five days a week, but it was definitely pandemic was uh, a very big uptick in D and D for both of us. We were playing mm-hmm. so many sessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was curious because, like, when I, when the pandemic happened, I I had to stop playing because um, I found that for me, playing online, um, I always felt like because we were like we used Roll Twenty for when we were playing D and D, and I just felt like because it was on a screen. I had to have nice maps because when I was playing mm. around a table, I was fine with just like my badly drawn maps on mm-hmm. a, on a battle mat. Like, yeah, it's just, you've walked into a room. I'll just quickly sketch it out. But on roll 20 where it's like, Oh, I've signed up for the pro thing so I can do shadows and I can fog of war and all of this stuff. And I, I couldn't have just a black and white map. It's just something about my brain was like, no, this is not acceptable. Yeah. And I think it's because I've played too many computer games. So like it has to look somewhat nice. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but like the amount of prep that that required just drained me. I was, I got burnt out. Yeah. Yeah. I think the screen part is definitely tricky. And as a player, (laughs) I find it very difficult. Um, like, you know, when you're in person, it's easy to just put your phone in the other room. There's no temptation. But when you're on your computer and it's a long battle and it's yes. going around, it's so hard to resist. Just like, well, I'll just go check and see what's happening over here on the Internet. And at first I was like, that's no big deal. But then it like it started to become a problem. I was like, oh, Rachel's noticing when I'm doing this. Uh, and that that makes it unfun for everybody. Um so, I mean, there's definitely, I am so excited that we've just kind of started replaying uh, in person and it feels 10 times better than playing online. But right. yeah, it was, it was nice to keep it going, but it, they were pretty pared down, I think, compared to when we're in person. Hey folks, so uh, when Jesse reconnected, there was a weird issue with Zencaster, and Jesse and our guests were too here, so we had to start a new recording, talking before I hit record, and uh, yeah, so that's where we are at now. Enjoy the rest of the episode. I am good at... Uh, <laughs> of course, that's the first thing that I say after hit record. Uh, it's part of the record now, and you can't edit audio. Anyways, <laughs> yes, Jesse, ask your question again. <laughs> Uh, what's uh, an aspect of the others DMing that you admire? Uh, I I mean, this kind of, sounds kind of silly, but I truly admire uh, Rachel makes the weirdest noises when she's DMing. <laughs> like we have not come across a monster that she will not squawk or croak or make any noise. Um, and I'm just incredibly self-conscious and I can't do that. And I, I admire it so much. It makes it very fun and ridiculous and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that's a, a thing that you enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's super fun to make those noises. So that's great. Um, <laughs> I think um, the thing that I like most about your campaigns um, I think I mentioned it before, but it is the way that you really bring the NPCs to life. I feel like you have such a good handle on that that just goes completely over my head. So it's it's so nice to see that done well and hope that I can learn from you at some point. Yeah, totally. Um, like you talked about the bringing the drama in our... We're playing a Feywild campaign that she's running right now. Nice. And um, an arch fey tree... Uh, like gave us a deal and I was legitimately terrified talking to this arch fay and like, should I make this deal? Should I not? Like, I don't want to say something to piss her off. I, she could stomp us to death. Like you, you totally brought all of the, the gravitas and like terror of that feeling. So yeah, you're definitely really good at it too. Yeah. Um, and I think I always appreciate as well as I think before we talked about, um, sort of getting feedback from from the other person and I said about asking questions but actually uh, for you for Trisha for sure you always after this session you'll say this is what I really liked about the session or you always have a lot of positive feedback which is really nice that I don't like I don't think you typically get from other players like when I've dm'd for just groups of friends it's like oh yeah we're we're done good session or whatever I think Jesse you'd mentioned that before that's usually the standard but it's so nice to like at the end of a session, be able to go in in depth with somebody about 
um, what what happened with that session. And, uh, yeah, I just really trust the things that you say because it's not always like yeah everything was great. It's if something has come up that was an issue or that you weren't happy with the resolution in. I know we've had some pretty like good conversations about that. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty like that's what's helped me with my DMing a lot of like oh I didn't realize it came across in this way like what can I do in the future to to change that a little bit and we've always been able to have those conversations very well yeah well I studied counseling and one of the things they taught us was uh encouragement without details is meaningless and so just that oh yeah it was fun that doesn't help (laughs) it doesn't actually make you feel that good so I always try to yeah come up with specific details otherwise it's, that that is yeah. definitely something that needs to be shared in the D and D community more because I think yeah. it's from what I've seen it's the most common I wouldn't call it a complaint but just like DMs are just like I want to know what worked what didn't work how my mm-hmm. players enjoyed the campaign and having players and I think part of it is that players are like they were genuinely happy because usually if they're unhappy they'll let you know but mm-hmm. trying to get feedback sometimes. Uh, that's specific on like, yes, I like this thing because of A, B, and C is super valuable and also feels a lot better than just like, yeah, good session. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, I this might be a future episode idea. We should actually maybe. Like, I would love to be, give people a resource to give uh, feedback. Mm. Um, but that's... Not for right now, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely like envy that. Like my players, my players are great. Uh, a lot of the times, I have to push them if I want feedback, other than oh yeah, it was fun. Yeah, um, well, and that is a benefit of dating each other that I can tell if she's feeling self conscious about it or down about oh I didn't get feedback. I I care about her. I want her to like get that thing that feels good. So I'm gonna give her that feedback. Uh, whereas you know, and I've played in sessions with other people where I maybe veer more towards just, oh, yeah, it was great. Thanks so much. Because um, I'm not seeing them after we leave the session, you know. So, like, there is some element of just proximity, I think, that you're like, oh, yeah, I see your reaction to all of this and I want it to be a good one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think I would be as candid or I certainly have not been as candid with uh, other people who DM for me. Maybe I should be, but that would be yeah. weird. <laughs> it's, yeah, there's definitely an aspect I can see that. Like, of, of, I don't know if it's being self-conscious or just we're just not used to giving that kind of feedback. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a movement that can start here. <laughs> yes, let's do it. <laughs> um, I guess the so the, the question that we've been talking about is like things that you'd like about the other uh, from their DM style. The flip side is what do you like about the other person as a player? Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you always bring up you always bring up weird situations or there's always like a you give me a hook to work with um there's always something interesting about your character so you, for the pirate campaign you didn't go with one of the regular uh the standard races you went with a hadozi which is a monkey person which works great in a pirate setting they're they're swinging through the riggings and mm-hmm. um you found out that they had these like um, kind of like a flying flying squirrel that they had this like extendable thing that they can they can glide mm-hmm. uh, and there's just so much like when a, a player any player uh, brings a character that that they are really excited about and that um, like they want to explore all the different things that that, that character can do and it, it it's just nice to have um, yeah you give me a lot to work with in in those settings it's either because we've played together a lot and you know me or I think you just bring that to you any game you're, you're playing it. Well, I would say the exact same thing. Um, I can always count on you to have an idea of what your character is doing in the world. Um, like you really embody your character. And so it makes it very easy to come up with storylines for you because, you know, other characters, it's like, I hit things. It's like, I'll give you more things to hit, I guess. <laughs> like, um, but I, to the point that um, Rachel actually took her character in Curse of Strahd and was like, uh, I'm new to this city. I would definitely start a small business. So I, <laughs> that's what's going to happen. And I was like, I didn't 
ever think of that as an option. I don't know how to run you creating a business, but you were very generous and you kind of like did some of the behind the scenes work of what that would entail. And it's turned into this great um, a museum of oddities. So when they go adventuring, they can like kill monsters or find cool treasure and bring it back to the museum to be like this source of income. Um, but like, I never have to worry about, well, what is Irina doing? Oh, she's definitely doing like at least 50 different things and I can just <laughs> latch onto one. Yeah, she'll That's say great. them all out loud too, which is, I'm sure, helpful. <laughs> That's... Uh, Although I do remember the look on your face when I first said I wanted to open a small business was not a look of excitement. It was a look no. of horror of yeah. what I have to look up rules for this now. It's like, no, no, I'll look up the rules. It's okay. You just have to approve them. Yeah. Yeah. It was early in this 200 page campaign that I'm just wrapping my head around. And here's another thing. I was like, oh no, but it's been great. That's it's interesting because that's when I think about the players that I've had in my, the campaign that I ran, um, the one that was always easy to know what I could put in the next session or the session after that, that would get them really hooked. Uh, it was easy because like they were very upfront about like who their character was and what they wanted. Mm -hmm. And that's um, coming back to like the, you know, getting feedback from the players is also just like, cause it, it's interesting because like you hear these stories about like players who come to the table with a, a 10 page backstory and like, on the one hand, that can be useful, but it's also too much information. But then, mm -hmm. and then there's the players that come to the table with, yeah, I'm a, I hit things. I'm going to hit mm -hmm. all the things. I'm going to hit them with my sword several mm -hmm. times. Mm -hmm. And there's this kind of middle ground of like, don't need tons of backstory, but like as a DM, knowing what you want to accomplish as a player and as a character uh, is super valuable because then we can put those things into the game for the player to enjoy. Totally. Yeah. It's better to come in with a concept for a character than like a set in stone, this is me, as I have written it down. Yeah. That's, yeah, always helpful. Yeah. Especially since so much of that changes, even in the, just the mm -hmm. very first session, because, yeah, you came in with this this idea of a character and you thought it was written in stone. But then like after 20 minutes of playing with your friends, you realize like, oh, no, they're not that gruff. They they really love this found family that they've, they've created. Yeah. So they're gruff to everybody else. But to these guys, they're really <laughs> sweet. Yeah, yeah. I've started recently trying to do like a one page backstory. Because I was, I, I'm a player who's actually kind of worse in the other direction. I'll often show up and be like, "Yep, they're they're a tabaxi, and they act like this, and that's all I know." <laughs> <laughs> it looks like I chose sailor for the background, <laughs> um, which is interesting because when I first started, I was uh, one of the one of the most frustrating players. Where I'm like, "Yeah, I'm playing a guy who has like twelve siblings," and my DM mm -hmm. looks at me and goes. I'm going to have to come up with all of that, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I do not do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it I is hard to find that balance. Yeah. It's also, I think, a bit different when you're like, because at that point I was like 19 and just excited to be playing role-playing games. Yeah. Yeah, there's a reason so many characters are orphans and no siblings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's easier to go off and be an adventurer when you have nothing to tie you down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I actually had a player who had a character who was part of a very big family, but they were going out into the world to like prove themselves so that they could inherit. Uh, Ooh. Um, but uh, I don't think that's something that people think of very often when they say like, yeah, I've got a big family. It's like, then why are you going adventure? Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. Okay. One of, one of the favorite players or, or characters one of my players played was a... Uh, a divorced mom whose kids were old enough that they were kind of out in the world on her own and she was adventuring to pass the time. <laughs> and it was glorious. She did the like kind of like Minnesotan mom kind of accent the whole time and it was wow. amazing. That sounds fabulous. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's um, rad. So I think we're coming to the end of our time. Um, is there anything else that we should uh, touch on or that you guys want to get in before we start to wrap this up? Uh, I did have one other thing that I'm curious how each of you DM and if we're the same or different. Uh, one thing that Rachel and I realize we do very differently is um, I lie all the time as a DM. Uh, especially with like 
battle roles and stuff. Like I'm much more, I go into battles thinking I need it to kind of last about this long and feel this scary. And I will just straight up lie. And when I told Rachel that thinking that was the thing all DMs do, she was like, what? (laughs) So I'm just curious. Well, I remember playing in that because I'd been DMing for you for ages and like our ladies group had just gotten into the higher levels and I was struggling to make the jump to like make the battle still uh, still difficult without like adding huge numbers of, of villains or you know what can I do to remedy that and then Trisha starts this Curse of Strahd campaign and like within the first couple of sessions you've got like uh, just this huge amount of tension build up where you've like you've got two unconscious players on one side like we're like literally trying to fight for our lives i'm like how are you managing this like i've been doing this for a year and a half at this point how are you doing she's lying (laughs) (laughs) so what do you guys do jesse you can go first uh i lie very occasionally um (laughs) often it is also in the player's benefit though not always yeah Um, yeah so if a fight is too being too easy mm-hmm. when it's supposed to be like a challenging boss fight and it's not because the players have made a really good plan because yeah. I, I always try and reward them if they make a really good plan mm-hmm. um and sometimes that means that boss fights are very easy if they they actually sit down for a session and are like okay we're gonna push this thing over on them and then drop <laughs> these spells on them and one of us is going to be doing this and like you know if they make a plan yeah and they execute it Great, but if it's like just a, a you know them fighting the big big bad and their minions and they're just wrecking them, yeah, that's what I get a bit creative. Um, it's not always, it's not actually often fudging rolls, but it's often being like, hmm, this guy now has twice as many hit points. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> this guy has a special ability now. I actually did it in the um. Andrea's Adventurers live stream where I was like halfway through the boss fight and I was like he gets red or he gets <laughs> he gets madder and starts doing an extra thing. Yeah. Let's see how this works. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> for for myself, I um I did, I don't know how this came about, but I ended up using a lot of um, I, I guess I don't know if it was because I didn't want to use stuff from the monster manual, like not that it mattered mm-hmm. because my players were Except for one in a part in a group of four players, only one had played before. So, like, I could have used just mon- monsters from the monster manual, and they wouldn't have known what was in there. But I ended up using a lot of stuff uh, from various subreddits, like creatures that people had created, as well as I found a couple of tools. Like, there's one called RPGTinker.com uh, that generates npcs with like a stat block that has like uh you know you can use it has different templates so you can have like spell casters or fighters or all kinds of stuff and i found that i was using those more because rather than just having like a couple of goblins and some hobgoblins like i still use some character like monsters like goblins and stuff but then i'd have like an npc that i'd use this tool to generate and I found that that helped a lot when it came to like difficulty and stuff, because like, here's an NPC that has special things that they don't uh, like. It's not just another hobgoblin. It's a hobgoblin that knows how to cast spells or it's a hobgoblin that can multi-attack a whole bunch of time. Um, oh, and I found that I didn't end up need. I didn't need to lie, but I also found for myself that when it came to like a battle where um, things were getting rough, um, like there was one time, like the the first time that a player's character died um, was because they were they had gone to this place to uh, try and find this like sacred pool because one of the characters uh, had done some research. Like, I want to go find this thing before we go on to this next town. And when they got there, they got, they were attacked by, I can't remember what kind of creature it was. And this character had been grappled. And one of the other players is like, I'm going to shoot the monster to try and hit them. And I'm like, okay, you've got Mm. a like, 20% 20% chance because this is a smart creature. It's got this other character in its mouth 
it's going to use them as a like as a shield and i'm like you've got like a 20 percent chance of hitting so roll a d100 and they hit the player character oh, and not the no. monster and they're like ah oh, that sucks but i'm gonna try again and ah! they hit them a second time and kill them oh, no. oh, and then oh. yeah and that and then it pretty much ended up being the end of that character um which <laughs> kind of sucked because it sucked for me and the player whose character died because they had told me like two sessions before like i want um i found this uh, they were playing an elf they were a ranger elf and ranger was not a great idea because they don't have a mm. ton of fun stuff they can do but she's like i want is there a way that i can have my race be um i think it's called a varial elf it's like an elf with wings basically mm. and i'm like yes i'll figure out a way okay if you go here and do a thing then yes your character will um you you find out that you're not actually a half elf you're this a varial elf that just hadn't fully grown up yet and you're we're about to get your wings and you just needed to do mm. this thing and so it's like for both of us we're just like well this sucks yeah <laughs> um, oh but uh <laughs> when it comes to to lying and stuff like that i or, or like fibbing and hiding information i i feel like i i did it i just can't remember any specific examples <laughs> um and i think it was mostly um trying to i can't think of any specific examples but i feel like the times that i did do it it was in the player's favor of like this fight was a lot harder than i intended it to be and mm. so um yeah this thing has less hit points or you know of these 20 goblins yeah these ones don't have eight hit points they've got two so yeah. it's a lot easier <laughs> to kill them um and i think that was mostly it but because it, it, this is something we've talked about previously is just in D and D in fifth edition. It is, it is hard to balance. It, it is mm -hmm. not easy. And especially I didn't make it any easier on myself using all of these things that they're uh, what's the, that the challenge rating, the challenge rating might not have been great because it was just somebody built right. a thing and put it on Reddit. Um, and so I kind of just relied on the player who's playing a barbarian being able to tank everything because he took like a quarter damage because of all of his abilities. But mm -hmm. yeah, I, I feel like I did lie and occasionally it was in my favor, but most of the time it was in the players. Yeah. And I think even when I was lying in quote unquote, my favor, like for the monster or whatever, it was for the players to have a good experience because there's nothing worse than like, yeah, coming across a big bad that they've not prepared for and then I'm rolling ones and twos and they're like, oh, you're not scary at all. Hack, hack, hack. It's like, well, this was supposed to be, especially in a horror campaign, it's supposed to be scary. <laughs> yeah. That's why I, for, for, for boss characters that I wanted to be scary, I tended to have them be spellcasters and mm. have them sit at the back of the battlefield and do things that like weren't terrible, but like, oh, this character that they can tell because they're a barbarian and big and huge and a half orc, they're going to encase them in a magical sphere so they can't do anything. And mm. suddenly this combat became a lot scarier. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's funny though, because there's a different podcast about D&D called Fear the Boot. And one of the things that when I first heard it, um, it honestly made me angry was the guy saying that he never tracked the HP for any of the monsters. He just, he, it was a narrative thing. When he felt that the combat had gotten to the right point, that's when the creatures would die. Whoa. Um, which is kind of the like extreme for that lying mm -hmm. to your players is just like, oh yeah, they're at, I guess they're at half health. That sounds about right. Wow. Did it work for him? Yeah. Uh, it, he said it worked great. Like his his combats were always exactly the right length. They were always <laughs> tense when they needed to be and funny when they needed to be. But I, when I first heard that, I was like, "What? <laughs> DD has hit points for a reason." Like, and, but now I'm I'm kind of on the fence where it's like, yeah, I can see some combats, especially ones that aren't as important or the ones that are super important, just being mm. a little bit more blasé about how much hit points does this thing actually have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I'll say as my experience as being Trisha's player, uh, it does just add to the add to the tension. I think it's something that uh, if any of my players are, are listening, stop listening now. I'm definitely <laughs> going to do this in the future. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it 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 adds like it adds a lot to the 
the experience, particularly, I I think it's important just to to keep it with the big fights, like your your boss battles or, um, like a yeah, like a important characters. I think are, or you know fights that mean something. I think it's okay to to look more for the narrative aspect of that fight rather than strictly going by the hit points. So that's something I've got to let go of because I love those numbers. Just give me yeah. my numbers. I'm happy. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that it definitely depends on the table. Because if you have a table of people that they go into every fight and they're super tactical about where they positioned, who does mm-hmm. what, then you kind of do have to pay a little bit more attention to how much HP because the players will be really upset if they find out that you've been fibbing about how much HP. But I can see That's for true. Most groups, it's more of a narrative. And if they don't know you're doing it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Sean, you told me about that ages ago, and I mentioned it to one of our mutual friends, and she got very angry at the idea. Um, Oh, no. Well, I mean, I I wasn't running any games for her at the time, and also, like, I will... I, I'm glad you brought that up again because I had forgotten about it. I was just remembering, like, I think we spent almost an hour where I, she would was mad about it, and I'd be like, "Well, you know, in this thing, it might work." And it was just constantly like, "No." <laughs> oh man, I take it back. I never lie. I go by the numbers all the time. <laughs> well, it's not the, the not the fudging thing, but it was the the like, "Oh yeah, I just don't decide, even care." I just decide on when narratively it would be best. Yeah. Well, I won't say that that sounds like a great idea. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the argument is there to be made that it takes away from player agency. Like, are Mm. they actually in any peril if you know that you're going to let the monster die before they do? Well, that's assuming that that's what you've decided will happen. Yeah. (laughs) But if it's the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Slightly related story. Trisha's, one of Trisha's characters is the only character I've ever killed in any of the campaigns I've run. That's true. Oh, it's the same for me and Haley. The only PC I've killed was hers. It was on accident. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mine, I let let it go to chance. Uh, Trisha had got this great backstory with like this uh, maybe she'd murdered somebody, maybe she. Um, it's like, did she mean to kill them or did she not? Mm-hmm. And then I had like somebody come from her uh, her past life, and it was the same kind of thing. And we just flipped a coin for would she die or would she not? And I think yeah. you were happy with the resolution. You've always yeah. told me you were. Now's yeah. your opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I think you checked with me beforehand of like, we can just leave this chance. Are you okay with that? And and it had gotten to a point with that character where I was like, you've done a lot of cool stuff with her. This is this is a really epic ending if she does die. So yep, and and it happened that it was her time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Um, before we actually fully wrap this up, uh, what uh, plug your pluggables? What do you <laughs> what do you want people to go look at online? Yeah, uh, we run the blog Roarcat Reads. Uh, it is for queer nerdy things in Vancouver. Uh, we're doing kind of a series uh, called Adventure Queers, where I'm interviewing um, queer D&D players and DMs uh, to kind of talk about people's experience, because it seems to be kind of uh, specific within the community. And it's been really fun. I'm enjoying it a lot. Uh, and coming up in October, October 16th, we are going to run our first charity event, uh, raising money for Rainbow Refugee. So it is not... Uh, out there yet but I want to plug it here and uh, follow us on Twitter Instagram as Rorcat Reads and there will be information yeah you can find our discord server a link mm-hmm. there on the blog too that's where we do a lot of our organizing for online sessions we run uh, we're trying to run at least like a one shot uh, once every two weeks we're trying to get to like once every week so come and play D with us rawcatreads.com yeah. is the place to find the blog and there's a link to the discord on there uh lots of cat pictures too we have <laughs> yeah. a, a lot of uh, a lot of people on there that that really enjoy cats so <laughs> come along for that um and then another thing that we're hoping to get started um we've got uh, a friend that's got a bit of space over on Granville Island, and we're hoping to start up uh, games nights uh, on a Friday when uh, restrictions allow, of course. Um, so you can look for news of that on the Discord and on the blog as well. I'm sure we'll be uh, come and play games with us, either board yeah. games or D&D. It'll be uh, open for all of that. 
I am so excited to start playing in person yes. again. Same. Yes. <laughs> also, I have to say it has been delightful going onto the website every once in a while and you keep interviewing people I know. I know. That's why I was so excited that this happened. I was like, we are running in very close circles. <laughs> when are we actually going to meet? So this is great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Thanks again for coming on. And, Thank you. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Bye. 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 Thanks again for listening to our show. We are proud members of the Cave Goblin Podcast Network. Find us and other shows at cavegoblins.com. You can support us and our network by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash cavegoblins or by joining our Discord. You can also support us by leaving a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to the show. You can find us on Twitter at DMs of Vancouver. You can find myself at Jesse Burroughs or Sean at Sean P. Hagen. Our theme music is Overworld by Kevin McLeod. You can find more of his work at Incompetech.com. Our fantastic art is done by Haley Boros. See more of her work at HaleyBoros.com. That's it for this episode. Hope to see you out there at the gaming table. I'm Piers Ray. Sitting with me is Eric Ivanovich. My name is Eric Ivanovich. We're the hosts of Podcast vs. Podcast right here on the Cave Goblin Network. This is the only podcast pitching show on the internet. Tune in, find out if we can ever find the perfect podcast, or more importantly, can we agree on it? This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.